Fields milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We are being bombarded with a lot of noise, external noise, from the building that's being brought down. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's pretty significant. Um, We're probably going to have to play a lot of clips today, uh, only because I can't hear myself talk. But... um, (laughs) It is quite amazing what they're doing. A company called Celtic Demolition is knocking down a building floor by floor. And they have these robotic jackhammers and all kinds of stuff that are doing the business. What's interesting about this whole thing, and we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come, is... Amazon just laid off 8,000 new employees, yet Janet Yellen says the economy is great. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. It it does not. But uh, because I've been following the housing market and the economy, um, I have a lot to say about that. I do as much research on uh, the housing market and the economy as anything else. And we haven't been covering those stories at all. But I got to tell you, I have a lot to say about it. And when the time comes, I'm going to be ready. But I will tell you this, that um, Janet Yellen, who was wrong about the fact that inflation was not transitory. She she said it was transitory. And so did Biden. They, they've never run a business in their lives, these people. And shame on them for lying to the American people and not giving the right advice. And Jerome Powell also was wrong about transitory. And the housing market, it has a lot to do right now with the commercial uh, com- commercial mortgages. Um, there's a big problem with that. And it's going to roll over to uh, 
personal mortgages. And, you know, there's going to, there's going to be a run on the banks. I mean, you know, Silicon Valley Bank was, there's about 35 banks that are in worse shape than Silicon Valley. And right now there's nothing that can be done about it. And when the interest rates start to rise, you know, as the prime rate gets increased, and the Fed, who knows what they're going to do? They, I think it's today that they're going to do something. Uh, the Fed rate, uh, whether they raise rates or not, um, they have to raise rates. If they don't, they're kicking the can down the road, and we're going to pay the price no matter what. So they're going to raise rates more than likely by 0.25. Um, let's see. Uh, I thought it was actually... Um, uh, let's see what the rate is, rate hike. Um, the Fed is likely to hike rates by a quarter point, and that's that's going to be today. So the Fed is likely to hike rates by a quarter point, but it must also reassure it can contain a banking crisis. Well, the banking crisis is the, the thing. J.P. Morgan is coming out now, and given some numbers. And there is this situation that's going on there that's going to be uh, very, very, um, very reminiscent of 2008. And the charts that I've been looking at have uh, been very reflective of 2008. But COVID throws like a monkey wrench into the whole thing. And when you look at the charts, you see this big dip during COVID, right? The COVID shutdown, which was probably the worst thing that anybody could have ever done to react to a pandemic. But the globalists decided to do it because they wanted to gain control over people. And that's where we are right now. But we have a lot of problems. And today is the day that uh, Trump is going to get indicted. And if this happens... This will be a game changer in the history of our country. And to those Democrat friends of mine that voted for Biden, and they literally told me when I asked them, how and why can you vote for such a guy? He said, he said, I'm thinking of one person in in mind. And he, he said, because I think he can unite the country, was the response I got. Can you believe it? What a, what a, and that guy has a PhD, by the way. It's sad. It's sad to me. It's sad to me. But Vivek Ramaswamy said this, and it's very much in line with what I just said. I'm really worried. I think tomorrow could be a very dark day in American history. I think that this might be the last chance for somebody to step up and make a decision that actually helps save this country and preserve the possibility of national unity ahead of a day when the last president of the United States, uh, I have to admit it, leading contender, 
in the current presidential race is quite likely going to get indicted if these news reports are to be believed on the back of charges that ordinarily would have never been brought or if they had ever been brought, been brought at most as a misdemeanor. I think this could be a national mistake of a generation, politicizing the justice system, destroying public trust in the justice system, destroying public trust in the electoral process. Is this really what we want? Whether you're Democrat or Republican, I don't care. Is that the country that we want to live in? Is that what we actually want the next generation to see is the way that we run our elections in this country? I say this as someone who is competing against Donald Trump in a run for U.S. president. I'm badly behind him. Okay, it would be good potentially for other candidates if the lead candidate in the Republican primary were eliminated from competition. That would be politically a good thing. Who cares? What is the point of going through the motions of running for office if it's in a country that no longer represents the values that we're supposedly running to protect? What's the point of even going through the motions if the very thing you're protecting is sacrificed in the process? I called on my fellow Republicans in this race who I thought have the best moral and political and personal standing to make the case over the last couple of days I have heard nothing but effectively silence in response and some hand-wringing. You know what? This is a last-ditch attempt. I'll call on Joe Biden. You're the president of the United States. You're the leader of the Democratic Party in this country. You have a chance to actually deliver on your campaign promise to unify this country. You're under the single most unifying thing you can do tonight, okay, as the leader of the Democratic Party, as the leader of the free world, is Call on that character, Alvin Bragg. He's part of your party, okay? Tell him to drop it. Not because you want to politically interfere, but because you want to call on him to actually do the right thing, which is to treat Trump the way that any other defendant on these same set of facts would be treated, charged with a misdemeanor at most. But do not make a criminal indictment out of this. Because the next generation of Americans, you know what? If they can do it to Donald Trump, they will say, then they can do it to you. They can do it to me. They can do it to anybody. That is not the country that my parents came to. That is not the country that we learned to pledge allegiance to as kids. That is not the country that our founding fathers set into motion, one that uses police power to arrest its political opponents. That's the stuff of banana republics. We don't do that in this country. We're supposed to be the ones that give hope to the rest of the world where someone gets political power and then uses their political cronies to arrest their political opponents. That happens somewhere else. That doesn't, that's not supposed to happen in America. Is Donald Trump a perfect man? No. And if you, do you have to agree with him? No. You're a free country. You don't like him, vote against him. That's fine. That's the way our system is supposed to work. But don't treat someone as a criminal for the sake of political expedience when somebody else, anybody else in the same position would have been treated in a different way. I'm saying this as somebody who hopes to run and defeat Donald Trump in a fair election. That's the way the system is supposed to work. Maybe some of us win. Maybe some of us don't. That's beside the point. And and as disappointed as I am in my fellow Republicans who have been shockingly silent in potentially the moment where they actually could have made a difference in the last several days in shaping this conversation I'm making a last-ditch attempt to put aside the partisanship and make a plea to Joe Biden to say, you know what? You have a chance 
to rise above partisanship too. There's nothing more unifying you could do as a leader for the country than to, and by the way, criticize Donald Trump all you want. Criticize his policies. Tell the nation why you think you should be reelected instead of any Republican, including the person who's leading the pack right now in the Republican Party. Say all those things, but to say on the back of that, that you call on Alvin Bragg, a member of your party, to drop this politicized persecution through prosecution. You will unify this country. Okay, this is your chance to do it. Tomorrow, if this indictment actually proceeds, that will be the beginning of a national disaster. We will not be able to put Pandora back in that box afterwards when it comes to public trust in this country. But you have a chance to do it. Okay, this is the window. Joe Biden rise to the occasion. And I think that, you know what, for everything else that I and tens of millions of other Americans will criticize you for, This will be the single most important thing you would be able to do in your presidency. You have a chance to do it. And I'm asking you, not as a political opponent, not as someone who disagrees with you, not as a member of a different political party, but as an American, rise to the occasion and actually demonstrate to the next generation what we stand for in this country, which is an even-eyed justice system and an electoral process where the people of this country, rather than prosecutors, get to decide who actually governs. Wow. That was Vivek Ramaswamy. And I first, I got to be in the room with him uh, at uh, the Women International Women's Forum um, last year. And he came up and he spoke. And... I was floored. I said, wow, who is that guy? I was wowed, right? It was a really great event, right? And I was wowed by that whole experience. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, he is such a brilliant, brilliant dude. It's not even funny. And uh, he's running for president. Uh, he has no chance, but... I I actually think he would make a great VP pick for Trump. It'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out today. Um, I will say this, that Trump, uh, these polls, these these, uh, political polls, have been so great for Trump. Him playing the role of a martyr. You know, I read something yesterday. It said every single thing, this this Alvin Bragg thing is basically going to tell the people of the United States that everything that Donald Trump said about our elite justice system and our two tiers of justice is going to be proven and demonstratively correct that that Trump truly is a victim of the globalist movement that you know if you're a democrat you you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you have no shame when you look in yourself in the mirror then shame on you i mean it is a terrible thing that's happening in our country. We've seen it in history 
And uh, we're seeing it today. The Stalins and the, and the Hitlers and the Mussolinis of the world. We've seen this in history. We read our history books. But never ever would we have ever thought that this would happen in, in a year like 2023. Never could I ever have imagined that we would ever be capable of being so stupid as to experience these things. I, I for the life of me, am, am dumbfounded by the whole thing. I can't believe we're here. And it took a guy like Donald Trump and that whole thing we call Trump derangement syndrome to reveal the ugly side of the truth of government. There was, there was an underbelly of the government that we didn't know about. That underbelly full of warts and full of, you know, goo. You know, that whole ugly underbelly got revealed because Trump was so great and so truthful and so straight and so right for the people and right for the time that little did we know that what we did when we elected Donald Trump in 2016 is we started a world war. We didn't know it then. What we were getting ourselves into, did we? Do you remember QAnon and, you know, and all these different things that were going on, all these new things? We were, we were so engrossed in, in this populist movement in the wake of Brexit But little did we know what an ugly underbelly the United States government truly was. I think that the Bushes knew. I think that a lot of people that were on the inside knew. But they didn't want to be disturbed. They basically said, don't let ever let that get out. It'll be game over for us. I don't think that the people like, you know, in the media knew. I mean, no, I mean, I think that actually the people in the media did know. They were getting paid off to carry water. But, like, it has me question. I, I wonder how far it goes back. I wonder how far. Like, does it go back to Kennedy? Does it go back to the CIA when they murdered Kennedy? And how do these people remain so secretive for so many years? Like that Ruth Payne character, you know. It's it's truly uncanny, but here we are. You know, we're dealing with it. And we're continuing to deal with it. So I was talking about finance. I wanted to, uh, today I do want to get to some other issues. I want to talk about, I have some Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. clips related to covid I also have this clip related to the banking industry that I thought was very coherent and very clear. 
And I wanted to share it with you because, you know, we're dealing with messes like, you know, this show could be an eight hour show. It really could. But I get one hour a day to do this. And and I do the best I can, you know, I, I but but there's a lot of different things that I could talk about. And I do want to talk about this. I want to, I want to share with you. After Silicon Valley Bank, the Fed, just created a whole new bailout system to ensure banks don't lose money on bad bonds. It shows the banks rely on big government while demanding austerity for the rest of us. It's unfair. It's an unfair system. That, too, is changing, though. It used to be that the Fed used to buy 20%, if not more, of the bad debt of a, a regional bank. And they're not doing that anymore. Since September, they're not doing that. Um, that's kind of an interesting thing in, in and of itself. But let's take a listen to this. The Federal Reserve just created a new social safety net for the most disadvantaged and marginalized community among us. Wall Street. It's called the Bank Term Funding Program, and it's basically a permanent bailout that ensures that banks won't lose any money. Here's how it works. A Silicon Valley Bank, the 16th largest bank in the United States, collapsed because it bought treasury bonds, aka U.S. government debt, which lost value when the Federal Reserve raised interest rates. Clients at Silicon Valley Bank saw this, got scared, and tried to pull their money out. Seeing people pull their money out triggered a chain reaction of even more people pulling their money out, causing a snowball effect of withdrawals more commonly known as a run on the bank. However, Silicon Valley Bank isn't the only bank that's holding bad treasury bonds. Basically, every bank in the United States holds treasury bonds, and the value of these bonds has plummeted since the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. U.S. banks were sitting on $620 billion in losses on treasury bond investments at the end of last year. In other words, what happened to Silicon Valley Bank could theoretically happen to a lot more banks. So what does the Federal Reserve do? It sets up this new loan program, the Bank Term Funding Program, which allows the banks to use their treasury bonds as collateral to get loans from the Federal Reserve, which the banks can then pay out to its customers in the event of a run on the bank. The only catch? The Federal Reserve decided that they're going to value these bonds at face value instead of the much lower market value that these bonds currently have. In other words, the Federal Reserve unilaterally decided that they're going to treat these bonds as worth way more than they really are because that's the only way they can save the banking system. To put this in perspective for those of us who don't own a bank, let's say you saved up for a house. You pinched pennies and set aside your hard-earned wages to buy your dream house for $300,000. Then the housing market crashes, and all of a sudden, your house is only worth $100,000. Your mortgage is underwater, you're suddenly behind on your bills, and you need money. Instead of what would normally happen, which is the bank foreclosing on your house and leaving you homeless, the bank says, you know what? Not only are we going to lend you money, you can use your house as collateral for a loan and we'll treat it like it's still worth $300,000. Could you imagine a situation where a bank would ever do that for people like us? 
But that's exactly what the government is doing for the biggest banks in the country. So why does this all matter? Because people say they're opposed to socialism and support capitalism because socialism is a centrally planned system. But this banking crisis has shown us that capitalism is also a system that has to be intensely managed by the state to prevent it from imploding. The only difference is, under capitalism, the central planners, like the Federal Reserve, manipulate the economy to benefit the banks at the expense of poor people. Under socialism, the economy is also centrally planned, but it's planned to eliminate poverty and put the needs of the planet first at the expense of the banks. The whole dichotomy between big government versus small government is a false one, because governments are not a uniform body. When it comes to war, policing, prisons, and propping up big banks, capitalism has big government. But when it comes to healthcare, education, protecting the environment, or scientific research, these sectors of capitalist governments are microscopic. So the correct way to understand these latest bank bailouts isn't about whether there should be more or less state intervention. Capitalism can't exist without state intervention. The real question is whether a government's responsibility should be to intervene on behalf of elite bankers or on behalf of the working class. Well, it's never going to be the working class, is it? So uh, forget about that. Um, This is a a bank bailout without calling it a bank bailout. They're giving you, they're allowing the banks to uh, borrow on their um, treasury bond assets based on a false principle that the treasury bond assets are worth what they paid for them not what they're worth right now. So when the interest rates go up, the treasury bonds value goes down. And so when people want to take their deposits out of the bank, then what happens is the treasury uh, banks need to, um, you know, when there's a run on the bank, the banks then need to sell off some of their T-bonds, right? T-bills. But they sell them at, at a premature value. They don't let them mature. Um, so they have to sell them at the value that they are today. Not the value, you know, that they bought them for. If you buy a T-bond at t- Treasury and it's supposed to be 3%, uh, then you have to hold it for five years or something like that. And then you get 3% back on your investment. Great. That's wonderful. But if you bought it for 3% and it's now only worth 1% and you have to sell it to, to, to pay back the deposit uh, person that wants their money back, now you have to sell that bond. Um, basically, you're going to have to sell it at the day's rate. So you may have bought it knowing, thinking that you're going to get 3%, but you're going to sell it at only getting 1%. The same thing he was saying. Your house went from $300,000 to $100,000 on the market, but you're still going to be able to sell your house for 300000 That, to me, is, is, is ludicrous. It's a, that's basically a bailout. And by any other name, but they're not calling it that. They're not going to call it that. It's a ruse. It's a ruse. All right, so. The Federal Reserve just. Oh, sorry about that, folks. 
All right, so this was a. Uh, I was petrified. <laughs> I did want to. I did actually. I don't know how this is going to. Uh, I did. I don't know how this is going to uh, translate, but this was a pretty cool video, um, audio, and uh, it's Trump. I will survive, right? At first I was afraid, I was petrified Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong And I grew strong And I learned how to get home And so you're back from outer space I just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face I should've changed that stupid lock I should've made you leave your key If I'd have known for just one second you'd be back to bother me Go on now, go! Walk out the door Just turn around now Cause you're not welcome anymore Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with goodbye? You think I'm crumpled? You think I'd lay down and die? Oh no, not I will survive Oh, as long as I know to love I know I'll stay alive I've got all my life to live And I've got all my love to give I'll survive I will survive Bing bong All right, you'll be singing that song all day long, right? Uh, that song is very, very uh, addictive. You listen to that song one time, and you want to sing it all day long. Um, Ted Cruz had uh, weighed in on the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's case against Donald Trump, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, listen, the long and short of it is this indictment, if it comes this week, is absolutely outrageous. It is frivolous. It is baseless. It is a political persecution. It is not a prosecution. It is targeting Donald Trump because Alvin Bragg is a left-wing Democrat who hates Donald Trump. And legally, this case is, is absurd on its face. Now, it's all based on two New York statutes that concern business records, the kind of records you keep in your business. One makes it a misdemeanor to create a false or fraudulent business record. In this instance, what Bragg is trying to argue is that when Trump gave $130,000 to Michael Cohen, who allegedly paid it to Stormy Daniels as hush money, and he characterized that as legal fees, that that business record was false and bogus. Now. He's got a problem with that theory, which is under New York state law, that's only a misdemeanor. That has a two-year statute of limitations, so you can't even bring this claim now. So Bragg has a second thing he has to do, which he has to bootstrap that into a different New York statute, which makes it a felony if you create a false business record in the aid of commission of another crime. And presumably that other crime is some sort of federal elections commission violations. Now, 
The FEC refused to bring that case. The Department of Justice refused to bring that case. The Southern District of New York Department of Justice refused to bring that case. Bob Mueller and the Mueller investigation refused to bring that case. But Alvin Bragg is going to try to bring a case on a theory. You know, they tried it with John Edwards. Remember John Edwards, the Democrat senator who ran for president, had an affair and then gave hush money to his mistress. They tried to prosecute him on this theory. The case got thrown out of court. This is ridiculous. It is bogus. And it is pure partisan attack from a partisan DA. With a partisan jury, uh, which is the difference, uh, I, th- I think. Uh, well, Edwards was a liberal, right? So he was a socialist. So even if he was a federal case in D.C., it would have gotten thrown out because liberals are progressive and they're biased and, you know, they, they don't ever do the right thing. Yesterday, John Kirby from National Security Council declared unacceptable any calls for a ceasefire in Ukraine, which is exactly what is going to happen. And they don't want a ceasefire in America. Because the military industrial complex hasn't gotten the return on investment yet. And just think about the dimensions of the madness here. The United States could not defeat the Taliban in Afghanistan after 20 years. So let's go to war with the People's Republic of China and Russia. Look at the mainstream media, the corporate media. They'll describe this demonstration as the far left or Russian apologists to demonize us like they demonize the Russians, like they demonize the Chinese, like they demonize the Syrians, like they always demonize the Palestinians, like they demonize the Iraqis and the Cubans and the Venezuelans and anyone who wants to be free and independent from the empire. Anyway, um, that's that. And listen to this guy. I don't know who lied to the people and told them this, but Ron DeSantis is not him. There is a reason that Trump is being targeted while DeSantis gets the odd hit piece every now and again, but also backed and funded by establishment donors. This black guy uh, here, just an average, ordinary guy, so smart, and I wanted to share it with you. We got to say it. Unfortunately, the people who are enamored with candidates like Ron DeSantis, typically because you don't have to defend them as much and they're safer and don't turn off a moderate base, those are usually the people who fall for the generic insert Republican who runs on wedge issue number one and wedge issue number two, but doesn't actually do anything type of people. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just what it is. Ron DeSantis has basically benefited from the culture that was created via MAGA, by Trump. And he's also one of those people who typically relies heavily on analytics and for his staffers to basically read the polling and, you know, wait for, wait till it's popular to do something. He's not this maverick figure that everybody makes him out to be. 
I'm sorry, but by the time that he was opposing lockdowns, lockdowns were already unpopular with the conservative base. You know, Fauci was already basically bastardizing himself. And it was pretty obvious at that point that if you had waited long enough before making a statement, you could come out now using the newest data and information available and say, hey, we're not going to do this. We're going to give people free choice. I mean, that's obvious, right? But no. It's all of a sudden he's just this amazing maverick. You know, his massive wins in Florida are by proxy of the fact that everybody moved to Florida because Florida didn't have lockdown. So if you get an aggregation of freedom-loving individuals who see that this one governor is not locking down while all the other governors are going crazy and locking down, guess what? The red populations out of those states move to Florida and vote for that same governor because that's why they came in the first place. It's pretty obvious. That's why he won so massively. That does not translate to success on the national level. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Ron DeSantis does not have that massive level of appeal to people. Yeah, he's safe. He does not say boisterous brass things like Trump does, but that's part of the reason why people like Trump. That's part of the reason why when he showed up in Ohio, the man was treated like a rock star. I don't care what your, your positions on whatever he did or if he didn't do enough or all that. It's just the facts. Ron DeSantis is like that game manager quarterback. Coaches love Ron DeSantis. So political pundits in this situation are coaches. They love it because he's not going to lose you the game. But guess what? When the chips are down, when you're down about two or three scores, you need that quarterback to come through in the clutch and deliver four or five dots to get you into the end zone multiple times and actually take a shot and take a chance and gunsling it, he's not going to do that. That's Trump. Trump is that dual threat quarterback, that big arm explosive talent that's going to throw some interceptions, but you know what? You can bet on him to win the game when it counts. I'm sorry. That's it. And yeah, you can say Trump's staff is gone. You know, he, you know, he's not the same. He's getting tired and you know, he just doesn't have the support. Yeah. Guess what? Dual threat quarterbacks win you a game all the time when they have crappy offensive lines. It happens. Sometimes you just got to take a chance because at this point, America's already gone. You know, the establishment, Biden, you know, pretty much all of the old neocons and neoliberals, they've already extracted everything that they want and need from us. So are you just going to turtle up and go with the same old, same old establishmentarian Republican choice that's nice, clean, presented, speaks well, and doesn't say anything that offends people, but also doesn't really do anything that rocks the boat? Are you going to go with the old bull in China shop? I'm sorry. That's just the way it is right now, guys. Maybe if everything's all back to, you know, back to normal, put together, and we somehow make it out of this mess, then you can vote with Ron DeSantis and he can have him just manage things. I guarantee you, he won't screw it up, maybe. But he's not going to win you anything. That's just it. I'm sorry, guys. I'll take the bull in the China closet for 300 you know, I mean, what a brilliant piece of commentary right there. You know, this is a guy on the street. Man, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Here's a guy from Tokyo. Listen to what he has to say about Trump. Hey! Japanese Trump supporter rally in Tokyo. Put 
to get our voices heard in the US. But we wanted to show that it's not just in the United States, but many people in Japan are also supporting President Trump. We all chanted together so that our voice can fly over the Pacific Ocean and reach the United States. Actually, I thought that was there was more dialogue to that when I listened to it pre-show. Uh, I was listening to the. There may have been more, but I I, I realized it didn't translate well uh, on audio. But what I wanted to say uh, about this is that Trump is not just about saving America at this point; it's about saving the world. It is truly about uh, putting an end to globalism because, you know, what's happening in Canada and and America and throughout the Western European states and Australia and, and New Zealand, you know, with Jacinda Ardern and even Scotland and, and a lot of these, you know, Klaus Schwab disciple states. They, 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 it, it is all about this, and it, it's all one and the same. And people around the globe are becoming victims of their government. It's not just the United States where it, this is happening. It's everywhere, and that is the biggest problem, folks. That is the problem. And we—that's why our show is is such such an anti-globalist show, right? If you want a show about anti-globalism, yeah, this is your show. Because I, I think so poorly of it, you know, the globalism. Let's listen to Donald Trump again, and we're playing a lot of Trump today because. We need to be reminded of the greatness of what Donald Trump portrays and represents for America. Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption once and for all, and corruption it is. First, I will immediately reissue my 2020 executive order restoring the president's authority to remove rogue bureaucrats, and I will wield that power very aggressively. Second, we will clean out all of the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus, and there are plenty of them. The departments and agencies that have been weaponized will be completely overhauled so that faceless bureaucrats will never again be able to target and persecute conservatives. Christians or the left's political enemies, which they're doing now at a level that nobody can believe even possible. Third, we will totally reform FISA courts, which are so corrupt that the judges seemingly do not care when they are lied to in warrant applications. So many judges have seen so many applications that they know were wrong, or at least they must have known. They do nothing about it. They're lied to. Fourth, to expose the hoaxes and abuses of power that have been tearing our country apart. 
We will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. And there are plenty of them. Fifth, we will launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the fake news to deliberately weave false narratives and to subvert our government and our democracy. When possible, we will press criminal charges. Sixth, we will make every Inspector General's office independent and physically separated from the departments they oversee so they do not become the protectors of the deep state. Seventh, I will ask Congress to establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure they are not spying on our citizens or running disinformation campaigns against the American people, or that they are not spying on someone's campaign like they spied on my campaign. Eighth, we will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington Swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out, and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America, and they really do love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies, and they regulate these companies, and then they want to take jobs from these companies. Doesn't work that way. Such a public display cannot go on, and it's taking place all the time, like with Big Pharma. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress this is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Thank you very much. Well, uh, Trump, Trump's polls have gone way up. He has, he has been remarkable um, in, this, in this effort. Uh, his poll numbers have improved over DeSantis, for example. He's now at like... 64% to Santa's 28% or something like that. It's like this has uh, really helped him. This whole thing that's about to go down today has helped him politically in ways that uh, you can't imagine. Um, it's interesting that Fauci was, was out there and, uh, going door-to-door with Muriel Bowser, uh, trying to get people vaccinated. It's almost like he was like an uh, encyclopedia salesman. And uh, let's take a listen to this one guy's response. Let's take a listen. People in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not going to be lining up taking a shot on a vaccination for something that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a shot in miraculous time. It takes years to like create vaccination. Well, it, it used to take years. Okay, it used to. It, you, it know used how, to take you know how many years were invested in this, in this approach? About 20 years of science to get us to be able to do it. 20 years is not enough. 
and nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only yeah. reason I'm talking to you right now, as close as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, uh, not like, not it's like much more flu. serious than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year, about 20 to 30,000. You know, how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well the, the number that you all giving that died, that's, that's once again, that's you all's number. You gonna pass. Yeah, definitely. Because right. when, when you start talking about paying people to get vaccinated, when you start talking about incentivizing things to get people vaccinated, there's something else going on with that. Something yeah. else, something it, else going I, on. It is that. something going yeah. on. With something it. else. You're right. On. But I'm glad millions of people like me and almost everybody here didn't get an incentive. You know what their incentive was? Protecting their health and protecting the city. Well, but that, I, well, I won't keep you anymore. It's okay because my, 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 my incentive, y'all, campaign is about fear. It's about inciting fear in people. You all attack people with fear. That's what this pandemic is. It's a fear. It's fear, this pandemic. That's all it is. They shot it like a documentary, and they went door to door, and listen to this. Listen to what Fauci had to say about that. What are we going to do about those other states? Oh, my God. They're going to keep the outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy. I mean, they're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans. They don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that, you know, unpack that. How you guys doing with vaccine? What are we going to do about those other states? So basically he was blaming red states for not being like to be told what to do and stuff like that. Um, But uh, here's one more, one more clip. This is a woman no, and mother no, and her not children. at all. In fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. So you're actually protecting your family by getting vaccinated. Well, I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't um, stop you from getting it. No. So on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if you're vaccinated, it's a very you don't even feel sick. It's like you don't even know you got infected. It's very, very good at protecting you. Just the Anacostia. So get up okay. there. Okay. All right. Thank see you, you later. So, you know, they seem desperate. And here is Kirby basically saying he doesn't want a peace deal. If coming out of this meeting, there's some sort of call for a ceasefire. Well, that's just going to be unacceptable because all that's going to do, Mike, is ratify Russia's conquest to date. All that's going to do is give Mr. Putin more time to refit, retrain, reman, uh, and try to uh, to, to plan for, for renewed... Off- so basically, they just want to kill every Russian. Here's uh, Blinken. And a ceasefire now, without a durable solution, would allow President Putin to rest and refit his troops and then restart the war at a time more advantageous to Russia. The world should not be fooled by any tactical move by Russia, uh, supported by China or any other country, 
to freeze the war on its own terms. Such a move would violate the UN Charter and delay, uh, defy, excuse me, the will of 141 countries who have condemned Russia's war in the United Nations General So they don't want peace is, is, is the deal. They don't want peace. But why didn't Russia start the SMO back in 2014 when the Ukrainian army was weak? I assumed that the situation with Ukraine would be resolved peacefully, is what Putin said. Moscow tried to solve the problem peacefully, but now we see that we were led by the nose. This is is, uh, Putin speaking in those words. It's uh, quite uncanny. And then here's an African guy that was basically talking about Russia has never colonized any African country. On the contrary, Russia is one of the countries that supported the liberation of many African states. Secretary General of Pan-African Youth Union, Ahmed Benning, during the Russian-African Parliamentary Conference in Moscow. Let's take a listen. ...on the continent. So if you look at um, Anglophone Africa... Uh, Francophone Africa. Definitely you find that um, colonialists are still trying to fight for turf there. And so yes, it does, it does have an effect. But I want to say that African countries, including the young people, are more determined now than ever to force our government to build relationships that are beneficial to us because colonial relationships have never been beneficial to us. And that's why you see the situation in Burkina Faso. That's why you see the situation in Mali. That's why you see the situation in Guinea. That's why you realize that most countries that are of French origin are beginning to rebel against that colonial pact that was signed because it's not beneficial to us. And for us as young people, we want our governments to explore and get more beneficial relationships with other countries, Russia inclusive, because we think that Russia is a strategic country to, to, to us as Africans and they've supported. Russia is basically a serious country, not the United States. And here is... Biden Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen declares the economy is doing well. Let's, uh, do you believe her? And take an economy that is performing very well. We've had the fastest recovery from a downturn um, that we've ever seen and the fastest recovery. When she says fastest recovery, you know what she's really talking about? She's talking about a COVID lockdown and people going back to work. She's lying to you. She's a liar. She's the one that said inflation was going to be transitory, right? She's a moron that gets paid $75,000 and up per speech every time she gives a speech, right? So this woman is just out to lunch. And for her to say that in the wake, in the, on the eve of what we're about to experience in terms of a banking and housing collapse, Uh, is beyond the pale. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, uh, Be sure to check out magapac.org, magapac.org, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Our parent company to that organization is buglecall.org, and there you can find out and see a list of our um, board members and our bios and our pictures. Um, also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. 
And with that, we'll see you next time. A little deeper, on the radio. Just to bury right, my buddy. kids right up to there.